The automobile is one of the most important inventions that revolutionized the modern world. In America, the rich history of car culture runs deep as technology continues to shape the future of the industry. Jason Stein, former publisher of Automotive News, is here to share the stories of people passionate about cars, from industry leaders and innovators to car-obsessed celebrities. Buckle up as Jason takes you inside the boardroom, onto the track, and around the bend on Cars and Culture on Sirius XM Business Radio. Welcome to SiriusXM's Cars and Culture. I'm Jason Stein in New York. Make no mistake, there is a definite buzz going on around Volkswagen. It's not just the transformative approach it's taking to its entire gasoline lineup that will now be electric, or the glow of a new product like the ID Buzz that is generating the kind of interest that only a nostalgic vehicle like the Microbus could produce, or the fact that Volkswagen appears to have come out of the Dieselgate scandal much cleaner in the North American eye after the mea culpa and the commitment to do more for the environment, and starting with products that are meant to reposition the brand for a growing list of electric buyers. Before it can change the world, it has to change yours. The all-new, all-electric Volkswagen ID4. Welcome to the world premiere of the ID Buzz. Truly an icon of the Volkswagen brand, and what an honor Ewan McGregor has joined us. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for that. I mean, everybody knows Ewan McGregor from one of his films. He's a famous movie actor. But actually today, he's here because he's also a car enthusiast, which makes us proud because it's not just any car. It actually is very much associated with our brand. Is that of right? Course. Absolutely. Yeah, I've been a, a Volkswagen enthusiast pretty much all my life. Yes, the buzz around VW isn't around just the ID buzz. It's all of it. Volkswagen, that iconic brand in America known first for the best-selling Beetle, is under a massive transformation. And that needs to be marketed. At the center of it all, ironically and perhaps not coincidentally, is a marketing mind that once wanted to save the planet. Kimberly Gardner had visions of planetary thoughtfulness growing up in California. She wanted to make change happen. She was an environmentalist who wanted to make a difference. And she shared that with her parents and her friends and anyone who would listen. She even made it all the way to New Zealand with a focus on environmental impact and a path to a greener future. Kimberly Gardner wasn't supposed to be in the car world. An environmental-focused launch of a car from a company called Toyota changed everything and led her to the auto industry. And the fact that she's sitting here with me this week, having just shared her story with the New York press at the New York Auto Show, is proof that sometimes one ends up in the most unusual of places sharing their stories. And hers is one to share. It's about marketing in a green world. It's about sharing the vision of an automotive icon. And it's about a buzz for a whole new world in a reinvented brand. Kimberly Gardner is a force in the marketing world. She's overrun with an enthusiastic perspective. And as Chief Marketing Officer of Volkswagen, she's my guest today. Hi, I'm Kimberly Gardner. This is Cars and Culture with Jason Stein. Well, it's not often that we get a chance to sit in studio with a guest. In fact, this is the first time. I feel honored. Kimberly Gardner, welcome to New York City. How are you? Thank you so much. It's really, really fun to be here, and it's so cool to be in real life, in a real studio. We are in real life. We're in a real studio, uh, the New York Auto Show, and um, life as we know it is a little bit better, right? But you tell me. I mean, from a, from an automotive perspective, you've been living in the COVID world for the last two years, and now we're out. We feel better about where we are. Yeah. It, it definitely feels like things are on the way up. I think uh, being here in New York City, um, it's it, vitality, the vibrancy, energy, it's back up again. I think 
seeing folks here at the at the show. It's been fabulous to see smiling faces. I think a lot of optimism, and I think we're hopefully finding turning a, a corner. So it's it's a good time to be. Uh, it's a good time to be here. What did you learn during COVID? Oof. <laughs> I think, uh, like a lot of people, I learn what's important for me personally. You know, mm. you have a lot of time to reflect, a lot of time to be on your own, um, a lot of time with uh, close friends or family that you had to keep in your bubble for quite a long time. And so for me, I learned, uh, you know, it's okay to, to question, I think, pretty much everything, right? Question what you do, question the way you spend your time. Um, I realized how much I missed seeing people after the first few weeks and then fast forward a few months and you realize, you know, Zoom and all these things are great, but the connection um, to being with people in person, I need to value that more. And I think uh, we all did that during COVID for sure. Yeah, I mean, technology is great, but it has its limitations. And, you know, when you're trying to uh, launch vehicles, it's also incredibly difficult. And I, I can imagine the scrambling that was going on because I know how uh, organized and planned and, and um, uh, well-executed things are in the automotive world from a marketing standpoint, though, all of a sudden you had to, you had to flip into a different mode. Yeah. It, it must have been a scramble. Um, I think it was, and I think in the beginning, too, we weren't sure where is this going, and so do we do a little bit online? Do we wait and see if things come back again? Do we postpone? Do we cancel? Um, and I think, you know, in a few months in, after a few of us did live streaming and different ways of, of launching a car like that, that it seemed to stick and it seemed to be that um, people were slowly starting to engage in that way. I think cars are something that if you can, well, you know, if you can touch them, if you can feel them, if you can sit in them, if you can drive in them, that's really where the magic happens. That's really hard to do virtually. But I think we've done a, a good job, a really good job, actually, of making sure people still feel that passion um, remotely um, and, and get really beautiful shots of cars and make people feel kind of alive again. And I think the timing was really nice in a way because I've talked about kind of this renaissance happening in cars um, and automotive. And I think a lot of young people that didn't really care so much about cars or sort of a second thought not really you know wow i can't wait to get that first car i can't wait to get in my car and i think covid brought us to a new place where we felt like yeah cars are really essential no <laughs> kidding cars are freedom right and and road tripping and even just running errands it was a time where you could actually get out of your home for a bit be safe in your own environment um, see the world around you, and uh, it was fun to see cars embraced in a completely new way. Um, and people that hadn't bought a car here in New York that called me and said, "KG, I, I, uh, I don't have a car. I haven't had a car in ten years. I feel like I need to get one." So I, I think coming out of all that now, it feels like the world has evolved, and I think in a really positive way for automotive. Almost was personal protective equipment to some extent, right? I mean, Absolutely. you could control your own environment during COVID be in a car, and um, go wherever you wanted to go on your own terms. Mm -hmm. You could, yeah, and you call the shots. And I think it's something where people felt like they had some control over their surroundings. And you could get out and enjoy a little bit of fun here and there. Um, you yeah. could celebrate drive-by birthday parties and things like that that we saw during COVID. So I'm excited for today going forward. Um, I know we're still not out of COVID by any stretch, but it feels like, again, we are very fortunate, I think, as an industry, and I think just people that love cars, 
that it's nice, it's refreshing, it's energizing to hear people talk about cars in a whole new way. So maybe that's a bit of a silver lining for what's happened in the last couple of years. Yeah, no kidding. We're going to talk about some of the cars that you've got coming up. But I want to talk about your own history. Because when I listen to you, I hear the passion for automotive. Did you grow up a young girl interested in cars? I mean, no. (laughs) No, I didn't. Uh, My story of getting into auto was all about uh, environmental work. Because so you were in that field. I was in that field, yeah. right right out of college. So um, I did that for a number of years, and then I thought, you know, I want to make change happen. I think I always have, but I'm somebody who wants to do it in the most effective way possible. So doing environmental work was, was great and rewarding um, sometimes, but a lot of hard times at the same time. You're either a nonprofit and government, that kind of thing. I wanted to try to do that within a company that, that was committed to doing something in terms of their environmental practice. And what, what was the environmental work? What, where did you start and what was your goal? Were you were you going to save the planet for us? How did you know? <laughs> Literally, that was how I, I think I woke up. It was in high school, and then again, it was like right after I graduated from undergrad, and I kind of had to talk with myself like, all right, KG, like, what are you, you going to do with your life? And I knew for sure I wanted to do something that made a difference that I could make personal for not only my own convictions, but also for young kids. So I, I started off with something as simple as doing recycling education in San Diego County for a a number of years. And then I transitioned and moved to New Zealand and was there for several years doing that plus waste minimization, cleaner production, basically helping individuals, companies, schools, families try to figure out how to ways that they can uh, minimize their impact. And it looks different for everybody. But my whole thing was, you know, little by little, you can make some change happen and people can feel really good about it. Um, That was all great. But I wanted to go to grad school, and in grad school, I thought, well, not only do I need to pay for the MBA, but I need to uh, I need to really figure out very quickly what industry I think would be a good fit for that passion that I had of the environment, and I wanted to work in something that really mattered in people's lives. And auto was such a natural choice for me, um, and the Prius was about to come out. So that's right. You time. went you went to Toyota. The mm-hmm. Prius was there, so the environmentalist in you yep. sought the car that was going to save the planet. At mm-hmm. least that's how it was marketed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was a huge change in terms of how people thought about cars um, and what was possible and what is possible today. So, you know, back then hybrids were sort of like, what is this? How does this work? Do I have to plug it in? Why do I drive it? Um, and today it's part of everyday life. And now we have plug-in hybrids and EVs and hydrogen powered cars and all kinds of things. So that to me was a moment where I knew I could make a real impact and I could um, be challenged in a completely different way. Um, and I think I've stayed in auto for all these years for the same exact reason. Right? Hmm. There are a lot of challenges. Things are changing. They may not change as fast as we want, but um, I think transportation is something that will be ever evolving. What was your first impression of the auto industry when you got into it? Uh, <laughs> um, I didn't realize how long it takes to launch a car. <laughs> so when I first you can't do my, this in thirty yeah, days. Exactly. My first meeting, I think I thought, "Wow, this is you know we're going to launch a car. It's going to be coming up in six months or a year." And instead, it was you know uh, many years away. So it was interesting to talk about things like that that were happening over the course of uh, a long, long time. And so I had to develop patience very quickly because I thought, "Okay, marketing, let's go do this." And it's a six, twelve month max kind of thing. And um, and keeping that patience, I think, together over maybe three to five years was something that I learned quickly and I actually appreciated. So, um, yeah, it's it's cool. Commercials, marketing. <laughs> yeah. 
That I mean, that's the sexy side of the business. Yeah. I mean, you know, putting car commercials together and it was sound and it's vibrant and events. Mm-hmm. Um, that had to have been a real draw for you as well. Yeah, I think connecting with people is something that I've always really loved. So uh, whether you do that through TV, whether you do that through radio, whether you do that through uh, digital now and social media, I I enjoy connecting with people, make trying to make something. Um, new to them, relevant to them. And I think that's why I've also really appreciated new times, either with Toyota, with Prius, and Lexus with their hybrid lineup, and going over to Kia, and then Mitsubishi, and now Volkswagen, always wanting to come in and, and try to make things a little bit better, and really move the needle. And I think that um, connecting with people and convincing them to try this brand is something that I think will always be an interesting opportunity and challenge for me personally. You've told me privately about a couple of um, instances in the in the auto industry that maybe were uncomfortable for you. You had a dealer once tell you, I mean, speaking of changing the world, right? right? You had a dealer say something to you relative to that. Tell me that story. Yeah. So we were looking to what we called reimagine the digital experience with Toyota years ago. Um, and that meant that we were trying to make things easier for the customer to learn about, shop for, and ultimately down the road buy a vehicle. Um, and I remember wanting to hear from dealers and talking to them around the country about what our plans were because we wanted dealers to be a part of this, right? They're a huge part of the car shopping and buying process. Um, and so I had a meeting with a, a very um, successful, very um, solid, great dealer. And I remember telling him about, you know, reimagining the world around digital and around car shopping and buying. And and I thought, this has got to happen, right? And if anybody needs to do it, it's got to be us. And now's our time. And young people want things to be different. And we have to change. And he said, well, wait a second, wait a second. You're not just talking about a website here. You're not just talking about some tweet thingy or something like that. You're actually really talking about something much bigger. You're talking about changing the industry. And I said, well, I guess I am. Yeah. He said, oh, well, how cute. Oh, Oh, cute. Okay. (laughs) And I thought, yeah, cute, I guess. Um, But, you know, I I think he meant it in a positive way. But at the same time, Mm. it's like, yeah, this isn't cute. This is like real world stuff. A bit of a pat on the head uh, there, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's cute. That's okay. I think uh, change is kind of a scary thing for a lot of people. It is for most people, in fact. And so if uh, if it takes a little bit of time to get to know somebody and maybe pivot their brain a little bit, I'm okay with that being a hard thing to do. But hopefully they feel like um, it's the, the sooner I think you take change seriously and get into it and embrace it, especially for our industry, I think the better, right? Like you spend more time figuring out what to do differently customers wanting things and you focus on solving pain points and creating new opportunities that's where we need to lean into not you know pushing change off so long that by the time we get there maybe in our case consumers have moved past it you are trying to change things from a employment standpoint and 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 a workforce um, focus in that you'd like younger people to think about the car industry in a different way you yeah. want them to think that it's cool yeah, uh, cool. men and women, right? <laughs> and that—that's a real purpose for you. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. Why? Yeah. What? Where does that come from, and why do you want to do it? I uh, look around over my twenty-plus years in auto. A lot of meetings I've been, boardrooms, um, situations where I'm usually one of the only, or have been one of the only women in the room. 
Um, so for a long time, looking at how can we bring in more women into uh, decision-making circles, um, meetings, conversations, um, how do we make sure their voices are heard? That's changed dramatically over many years, right? And so today, um, that doesn't happen so much, um, mostly with dealers and things like that. But I think today, really, it's not only about women bringing in um, to the industry, but I think it's about just diverse folks with different types of backgrounds. And that's what our industry needs. I think we need people that are young. I think we need people that are young at heart at any age, mm-hmm. um, but that see an opportunity to connect with a consumer in it and hopefully a way that feels refreshing and different. Um, because our products are changing. So the way we interact with consumers, I think, has a great opportunity to change. And I feel bringing in new voices, new um, talent into our industry is a really key part of that. How are you doing that? Uh, A lot of talking. So a lot of um, getting to know people through LinkedIn, getting to know people in conferences and, you know, talks that I do and things like that. I just did one yesterday um, for media posts here at the show, and um, I said, you know, it's such a great time to be in automotive. And I look around the room and I see, now, how many of you actually thought, you know, you would ever be in automotive? Maybe yes, maybe no. Um, But how many of you know people that want to be in it now? Well, maybe not so many. We got to change that. Hmm. So how can I get your help to do that, right? We can tell a different story about who we are. It's not just the cars that we make that's all great, right? Um, But those things are changing. And we have electrification that's not only coming, it's here. The interaction people have with cars has changed, like we talked about. Um, Everything is evolving around us. And if you want to be part of an industry that is at the cutting edge of that, that's shaping literally the way people interact with each other, the way people get from A to B, um, and you want to do it in an environment that's tough, it can be tough, right? You got to have patience. You got to have conviction. You have to have passion. Um, it's hard, but it is so rewarding and so fun because it matters. Cars matter to people. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of money you're spending. It's a lot of time you're spending in it. Um, regardless of what brand that is, if it's hopefully Volkswagen or another brand that you feel really good about it. And so if you're someone that's up for that type of opportunity, that's going to be different next year than it was this year and it keeps evolving all the time, then we need you. And uh, tell more people that story, you know, and invite more people in and talk about automotive in maybe more approachable, more accessible ways. So you're still on the pathway to changing things, just in a different way. (laughs) You're not not a Kiwi anymore in New Zealand, (laughs) but you're definitely trying to change things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it making a difference? Can can you feel that things are changing? I mean, you, you asked me to speak to a group a marketing group within Volkswagen mm-hmm. that, that consisted primarily of very young people. Mm-hmm. And we talked a lot about the excitement of this industry. Mm-hmm. And I saw the excitement in the faces of the folks who are on your team. Mm-hmm. I think you're making a difference. Do you feel that you're making a difference? I think little by little. Yeah. I'm, uh, I have a lot of um, expectations for myself. Um, not that I tell everybody you have to be perfect. Um, I think perfection is uh, not really what we're aiming for in life anymore, but pretty darn close in terms of, you know, you feel pride in what you do and you feel like you're moving the needle with people and making a difference in their lives. And how how I measure that is my team's happiness and their engagement. And are they asking questions of people like you when we do a virtual meeting like that? And not only just about cars, but about why did you get into the industry? Um, Why do you love it? 
what do you do? What's the most important or most fun thing you've learned in your career? Those are really cool questions. And you're right. After we had that conversation with my team, it was fun to hear many of them say, that's a really great story. And he's been in the industry for a really long time. And he told us something, you know, new and fresh and coming from journalism, making a pivot. Now he's got his own show. It's really cool. And um, I think I think making a difference is definitely something that I'm going to keep at for a long time. Very cool. Let's talk about the things that excite you uh, from a product standpoint. And uh, there is a buzz, so to speak, around what you have at the New York Auto Show, the ID buzz, which is this um, sort of reincarnation of the 60s Volkswagen um, a microbus mm-hmm. van, you know the 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 flower power wagon. <laughs> Yet it's getting great reviews because it's not just a um, a new version of that in 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 look and appearance, but it's been pulled forward mm-hmm. in a way, right? Mm-hmm. It's been modernized, and we talked to Frank Stevenson on this show about modernizing the Mini and how he tried to do that. And you you now have a vehicle in front of you that you can have a whole lot of fun with marketing. Oh yeah, the oh, ID yeah. Buzz. Yeah. What are you, what are you going to do? How how are you going to position this car, <laughs> um, this vehicle? This uh, this opportunity, I think, with ID Buzz is something so so special. Exactly what you said. It's tapping into nostalgia. I think in a way that is quite unique in the industry. Um, and just in cars in general, because we get to tap into all that uh, goodness that I think the microbus um, brings out in people. You know, I see them on the streets once in a while, especially out in L.A. People take such pride in renovating and redoing their car and spend a lot of money on them. Mm-hmm. And it's a whole car culture around that bus that people, I think, remember, you know, whether they had one or not. But it, it, it feels, you know, friendly. It feels accessible. It just feels fun. And so we have the, the beauty of tapping into nostalgia, and then we have electrification in a, in a package with the buzz that I think I've seen people, young and old, um, older I should say, that look at that car and go, what is that? That is really cool. And um, when I tell people, if you look at the car and you don't smile, you got a problem. Something's not right. So um, it's going to be a car, I think, for families. I think it's going to be a car for, for singles. It's going to be a car for a whole lot of people because it's going to be very, I think, functional, very versatile. It looks cool. It drives smooth, right? It's It's got the best of all those different characteristics. Um, and the driving itself, it feels like you're you're higher up in a different way than a typical SUV would. Um, so you, you just feel like you have more visual range of kind of seeing things around you. I think it gives you a little bit more confidence. And again, being inside that car, you just feel futuristic, mm-hmm. but you feel relaxed at the same time, if that makes any sense. Sure. So, um, yeah, so we're going to position it pretty broadly, but I think in the beginning it'll be really fascinating because there's so many people that want that car. Um, I think we're going to have folks from all types of backgrounds and with all types of interests in cars that are going to come out and um, really embrace it. So it's going to be fun. You Tracy Morgan pop out of the thing here in New York, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, and he owns a Bugatti, which, by the way, is still in the Volkswagen family. Yeah, but yeah. definitely. Definitely. So it's just one of those um, special, I think, unique moments in time for auto where you have a product that has such broad appeal in a really, really positive way. Yeah. Um, people get in it. They see it. They literally just light up. 
Um, and I think the world, it sounds maybe a bit, I don't know, nostalgic, but uh, <laughs> I think people need that right now. You know, my my only wish is I wish it was coming a bit sooner, but I think we all do. You know, we're, it's not going to be here in the U.S. until 2024, um, but we're going to celebrate a lot, and we're going to have a lot of fun with that car in the meantime, for sure. Yeah, I imagine the plans you're going to put together will be uh, extensive. After the break, I'll continue my conversation with Volkswagen CMO, Kimberly Gardner. The automobile is one of the most important inventions that revolutionized the modern world in America. The rich history of car culture runs deep as technology continues to shape the future of the industry. Jason Stein, former publisher of Automotive News, is here to share the stories of people passionate about cars, from industry leaders and innovators to car-obsessed celebrities. Buckle up as Jason takes you inside the boardroom, onto the track, and around the bend on Cars and Culture on Sirius XM Business Radio. Welcome back. I'm Jason Stein in New York. And now back to my interview with Volkswagen Chief Marketing Officer, Kimberly Gardner on Cars and Culture with Jason Stein. Let's talk electrification. Um, you're, you're at a brand that is going full steam into electrification, if I can mix that metaphor. Um, the field is much more competitive than it was even just a year ago with so many other players joining the market. How is Volkswagen going to attract both the early adopters and the first-time buyers. And maybe I want to reference your ID4 campaign where you said, before it can change the world, it has to change yours. Mm -hmm. I think that's the Volkswagen narrative, isn't it? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. How do we how do we make something, almost what I was saying earlier, um, if you want to change the way people think about something, either a brand or in our case, you know, electrification and electrification for you, then it has to feel like it's something that's right for your situation. So showing the car, right, with all kinds of different people, the content creators and influencers that we worked with, the journalists that got in the vehicle, a whole wide range of backgrounds, some, you know, very much into cars and electrification, absolutely technology oriented, all of that. But a lot of folks that just came from, hey, you know, I've got a family of four um, or five, whatever, and I'm thinking about a second car, or I'm thinking about maybe replacing a car. It, it, could this car be right for me? And giving the car to people and saying, you know, take it out for a weekend, test drive it, charge it, see how it feels or, you know, see how it fits into your life. Um, and, and a lot of that feedback came from that ID4 campaign where I feel like the more we make it about someone and what they need first, and then, yes, this happens to be an electric car and it happens to uh, be zero direct emissions. It's very quiet. Um, it's awesome and fun to drive. Then I think that's a really good thing. So, yes, and by the way, it's it's a part of a movement that I think more and more people are waking up to. Data that I just saw yesterday, I think, from IHS Market said that I think it's up to about 50% of, of younger people are looking uh, or open to buying an EV. That's a number I don't think any of us would have thought through no. so or would have imagined. Um, so I think it's really how do we make sure that for a young person that if this is their first car, their second car, whatever it might be, that we connect with them and say, look, this makes driving easy and it's absolutely manageable. And you can definitely get around, especially if you're in a city where there's good infrastructure for charging. Um, and you can pass those gas stations, especially when gas prices are high. Yeah, right no now, kidding. So. Great timing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, when, when you think about the education that needs to go on, how, how long do you think that we're going to be in this mode of having to tell people how to do things with electric vehicles versus the stuff that we've done forever, which is just to show great product? Mm. I think it'll be both. I think that we have to woo people by the way cars look. Um, it's great to see so many different EVs in the marketplace that 
um, I think people find attractive and they find appealing and they find it in a body style like the ID4 where, you know, it can be for a family, it can be for a single person, it, it's um, very flexible and, and people like that SUV body style. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I think it's something that people can feel like um, it, it doesn't have to have an owner manual to explain every single part of it because it should feel like a, a car, like if you're used to. It should feel acceleration, braking, turning. Um, things that you are looking for in a vehicle that you feel confident are in an EV. The charging part of it, right, and the range part of it is something I think it's going to take time. People need to see more people on the road doing it. You need to see more charging stations in your community, in your apartment complex, you know, something that you can put in your home and it doesn't cost um, much money to do that. And you can, you can imagine you're making that transition because in your daily life, you see it everywhere. Um, I still think that's going to take some time for sure to get there. Let's talk marketing. Do you believe in the Super Bowl as a marketing venue? <laughs> um, I it mean, gets so much attention. Yeah. There's so much buzz around that. Yeah. I mean, I think if um, it, right, for the right moments in time, absolutely. I mean, you have a, a theater, a live theater, a stage where um, people are actually looking forward to seeing the commercials as much as they do sometimes the game. And depending mm -hmm. on how the game is going in that third or fourth quarter, um, the advertising might even be more entertaining. Um, so... I, that's a rare moment. I think that's a rare moment for marketers. Um, usually it's we're fighting for people's attention. And so with something as big as the Super Bowl, it's still, you know, ratings may be down here or there, but it's still a moment in time where you have a lot of people looking at their screens and um, really engage. And for the commercials, they might be seeing them even a couple weeks in advance um, and, you know, people voting on which one they like. And it becomes kind of this cultural moment. Um, so for the right time, if you've got the right product, um, it definitely is part of our portfolio that can make sense. How's marketing changing? <laughs> how's marketing not changing? <laughs> how's marketing not changing? Let's no. go. How's marketing not changing? <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, it's different today than it was, you know, a few weeks ago than it will be probably, you know, months from and years from now. So, it's it changes because culture changes, and so who we talk to, how we talk about things. The way we position um, the cars that we sell, the things that we, I think, focus on in, and the touch points that we connect people with through design, fashion, music, um, art, etc., technology is rapidly changing. So those things are changing all the time and, and marketing has to change with them because people aren't standing still. You know, we have an attention span of a few seconds. And I just saw some data a few days ago um, uh, online saying that attention spans are not only shorter because of our patterns with social media, but we can't remember things for <laughs> as long oh, as I we... believe in that. Yeah, so, <laughs> so with all of that, though, it's it, it, the 30-second TV spot, maybe you could argue, needs to, to evolve. And we have 15s and we have 6s and things like that. But we not only have to fight for people's attention, but I think we have to be memorable. And that's, that's different today to be memorable than it was well, think Years about ago. when you joined Toyota and you were marketing the Prius or, you know, mm -hmm. part of the team that put that together. And think about how different the world now is today oh, yeah. and what you have to consider. I'm guessing it is a long list of things mm -hmm. that, has, that has to be sorted out. <laughs> you had it's, a few channels back then, literally. Right. right? You, you know, and, t and broadcast was a huge one at that time. That's changed. Now we have hundreds of ways to connect with the consumer. Someone um, that I spoke to recently, I think, said it best that, you know, CMOs and, and marketing leaders and teams, they have a lot that they can do. 
right? It's a plethora of options, messaging, channels, where do I go? How do I show up? What type of experiences do I want to create? Endless options with technology that are vast and diverse and very targeted, by the way, or very broad. Um, so it's not so much what can I do? <laughs> That's overwhelming. It's what should I do? How do mm -hmm. I connect with the consumer at the right moment in time with the right message that feels like it's something that um, people can relate to in a way that, like we talked about before, that's about them. And that's hard when you have a mass audience sometimes that you're trying to reach. Um, and I think you have to make people feel like it's really an individual decision and, and your marketing should be more conversational and based on what you, Jason Stein, need, not what hundreds of Jason Steins might need because your needs might be different. And we're so specific now with how we can target and drill down to possible consumers and try to get their attention. What happens to, you mentioned it earlier, what happens to television? What happens to the to the traditional, um, you know, ABC, NBC? <laughs> um, they're evolving dramatically as well. You know, I think that um, every, I think, major broadcast broadcast station, channel, network, etc., has evolved so dramatically with digital um, uh, different, you know, different ways to come to market in terms of their content. Um, you've got everything from streaming, podcasting, connected TV, all kinds of different ways that people watch even the same content on an iPad, on a bigger screen in their home, on a, on a phone at the same time. So I think every, like I said before, right, everything in marketing is evolving. And I think even the screen, I don't even call it really television anymore. I don't know why, but the screen, <laughs> the screen. that we watch. It just is, depends on the size of the screen. <laughs> it does. It does. And, you know, some people have a screen in their home that's not even actual, you know, there's there's no um, cable, right? They just right. stream through Sling or Hulu or whatever. So I think everybody has really tried to evolve, and I think broadcast has evolved dramatically. So um, And they realize that, you know, to reach consumers, you have to have content on demand that they want to see when they want to watch it. And if they want to pause it, go do something else and come back again. Again, they need to have that flexibility. We're in New York at the auto show, and auto shows are now coming back, uh, at least in some fashion form, after the death of auto shows had been declared. But I think there's there will be thousands of people who will go through the Javits Center here on the western side of Manhattan. Do you believe in auto shows? And why? <laughs> um, I believe in giving people as much time as we possibly can um, to see what we sell and to feel it, touch it, get behind the wheel of it. And I think whether it be auto shows or other in real life experiences, um, ways that people can connect with a car physically, um, I think it's really special and I think it's really cool. And I think auto shows is one of many different ways we can do that. I'm excited to see more evolution when it comes to auto shows. So um, I think, you know, we'll see next year and the year after how things change. But I think the more we can make it uh, personal, like we talked about, for people to come in, they may see everything through the lens of the same lens that everybody else does in the macro sense, but in the micro sense that we give people ways to capture content, to have conversations, to feel like it's a, it's a party of one that they can choose where they want to go and they can get as much information, they can get as much human interaction as they want, have their questions answered, get a chance to, you know, touch the cars and see what uh, what sits right with them when they sit in that front seat and 
and hopefully feel like they come away with a, a better understanding of, yeah, that those are the handful of cars that I'm really interested in, and I'm going to go and now start my shopping. Well, and let's face it, they're paying to come and see your product, mm-hmm. which does not happen in very many other retail experiences. No, you're absolutely right. But again, a lot of retail experiences don't have a product that might cost you, you know, several thousand dollars. So <laughs> right, right. I think in the scheme of things, paying twenty dollars, whatever it might be now for a general admission ticket to something like an auto show is a is an investment for people that probably feels very well worth it, right? You know, if you're gonna spend thousands on a car, why not spend a little bit of money to to go in and, and check out what's available now and feel like you can do that in an environment that's low pressure where you feel um you know you can decide where you want to go next right which cars you want to see and what you want to hear about and i'm convinced too that there was a bit of a uh, confluence of of um ideas that were that were mixing the auto show equation so back at the detroit auto show 20 years ago you had jeeps that were unveiled that crashed through plate glass windows as a big splash for the media but had nothing to do with the consumer and it was declared by you know the media that auto shows were going down because media weren't covering auto mm-hmm. shows as much, but consumers mm-hmm. were still going to shows. Mm-hmm. So whether you're in Cleveland or New York, there's still a place for those products to be displayed. And as we said earlier, you might not even see it on the lot. That might be the only place where you can go, at least for the next year or so, mm-hmm. to touch and feel. Yeah, absolutely yeah. right. Exactly what we were talking about earlier about um, not having a lot of supply. Dealers don't have a lot of that in their lots right now, so... Being able to see a whole you know range of different cars here in one place um, gives people a chance to do that, and hopefully they like what they see and they, like I said, start the shopping process. And they may have to wait a little while, but um, hopefully with a little bit of patience, they'll get what they're looking for. And hopefully, it's a Volkswagen. <laughs> <laughs> How's marketing going to change? Do you think going forward? What do you what are you looking at that's gonna um, revolutionize the be, marketing world. Yeah, I think it would be easy for me to say, you know, uh, Metaverse, Web 3.0, um, NFTs, right, that we're going to be virtually doing everything. But what I also hear at the same time is I think marketing needs to very much celebrate things that people can see and touch and feel that are part of an experience because we're just craving that right now. So I think we'll see a lot of hybrid kind of experiences happening. I think, you know, a lot of us are really excited like I am about what can happen in a virtual world where you can have conversations, you can get to know a product, you can understand what it's all about, you can do a virtual test drive, right? You can have a complete 360 experience in one place. That sounds really cool. I don't have to go to a bunch of different websites. I don't have to do a whole lot of homework. If I can arrange for that to come to me and I can interact with people in that way, who's to say you can't interact with a dealer? Right in in the metaverse at some point in time where you can have a conversation with somebody and you feel like you're getting all the information to make a confident decision, but it just feels maybe a bit more, definitely more personal and easier and hopefully a bit more fun. I think we're a ways away from something like that. What I'd like to see is, a, the, a, I guess, a blend of both. So you have the best of in real life and you have the best of um, uh, virtual Um, so you feel like, Hey, maybe I just want to go do this part of my shopping process and do that in a virtual way. Technology has made so many, I think, um, inroads into gamification of experiences like a virtual test drive that you feel like, yeah, okay, I'll spend 20 minutes doing that. That's really cool. Um, but at the same time, you still want to have an in-person conversation. You still want to talk to somebody maybe who's driven that car before. You still want to get behind the wheel and actually test drive a car. So I think we need to have both. 
We've had designers on the show who talk about what they admire from a design perspective, whether it's watches or uh, technology, um, architecture. As a marketer, what do you look at that you like? Where, where does your eye go to from a marketing standpoint, and who do you admire? Ooh. Um, gosh. I would say I, I admire brand challenger brands. I, I think I always have. Um, who try to do things, I think, a little bit differently, and they definitely poke at ways to not be maybe so serious or not be so, I guess, stringent in that category. Even something like, you know, Oatly has been in the past, right, when they first came with oat milk to the market. Um, and it was like, what is this? How does this work? You know, and today now, of course, fast forward, we, you know, a lot of us have oat milk and soy milk and all kinds of different milk. Um, but you know, they said, you know, why can't, why can't people enjoy, you know, oat milk and their packaging was fun and the way they talked about the product was, was approachable and fun. So brands like that are ones that I like because, you know, I think there's always the Nikes and the Apples and Nordstrom's of the world. Anybody that gives you a great experience and they do it every day, I think that's awesome too. Um, but from a marketing perspective, I love things that are simple and breakthrough, especially categories where maybe people don't have a ton of, I don't know interaction um on a daily basis so it feels like it could be kind of provocative and special at the same time when you sit at home watching your screen the big one that's on the wall we won't call it television um do you look at other car commercials and go i like that or i don't like it um or or do you just avoid them altogether (laughs) candidly i don't have a tv so i I know what (laughs) breaking news breaking news watch out um (laughs) I, I have, but I do have a screen. I, I have a pretty big screen at home. So I, I watch content like a lot of people do these days, right? Netflix, HBO Max, um, Amazon Prime, etc. So my commercials, it sounds maybe funny, but I seek them out um, mostly on YouTube. Um, uh, or if I'm watching something streaming and I pause and stop something to watch it. Um, but I, I have to seek them out now. So because I have all these, you know, paid channels that I that I um, uh, watch every day, and there's no commercial, so wow, the marketers are really trying hard to get to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess. But I'm watching. I, I truthfully, I watch car commercials quite a bit. Um, I think it's fun to see us imagine a world where cars are just so different in people's lives that you know we can have a lot of fun with it. And I think that's what we've seen in the last year as, as we've been able to do more branding, a little bit less on the deal side um, and showcase a whole wide range of people, especially women behind the wheel of a car, um, having a lot of fun. And I think that's really a, a cool thing. So you got into the automotive business, just a final thing to change the world with the Prius, the environmentalist from New Zealand who is going to change the world. You changing the world? One day at a time. one car at a time one car at a time one consumer at a time one dealer at a time yeah that's great yeah thank you for being with me here in the studio at sirius xm really appreciate it jason it's been a real pleasure kimberly gardner thank you thank you Thanks again to Volkswagen Chief Marketing Officer Kimberly Gardner. And thanks for listening to Cars and Culture. You can follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook as well as on Instagram at Cars and Culture SXM and on Twitter at Cars and Culture. I'm Jason Stein in New York, and we'll see you down the road.